Welcome to Think Biblically, conversations on faith and culture. I'm your host, Scott Ray, Dean of Faculty and Professor of Christian Ethics. We have a very special guest today, uh, someone who does not, not usually come on our podcast, uh, but a, ver- a very special and important guest. She is a Uyghur Muslim uh, who hails from China. Her name is Rushan Abbas. She is the executive director of an organization called the Campaign for Uyghurs. Um, this is this is highlighting a, a situation that has a significant bearing on religious freedom around the world. The Uyghur Muslims are a group of uh, a substantial but minority group in mainland China, uh, and they are they are currently the object of intense persecution by the Chinese government. Uh, there are roughly, uh, Rushan will tell us, there are roughly two to three million Uyghur Muslims imprisoned in what she will refer to as concentration camps today. Uh, the reason we are posting this now is because on December the 6th of 2021, uh, the United States announced a diplomatic boycott of the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics, which will start in February of 2022, and have been joined by the United Kingdom, Australia, Scotland, and New Zealand in this diplomatic boycott of the Winter Olympics, uh, mainly revolving around the Chinese government's human rights abuses and particularly the treatment of the Uyghur Muslims. I think you'll find her account very compelling uh, and is uh, something that we all ought to, ought to be a part of uh, as we campaign and hope and pray for religious freedom around the world. Since she is Muslim, there will be a few things that we may not uh, entirely agree on theologically, uh, so we have some theological differences, so be, be aware of that as you listen to uh, her very compelling story. Thank you, Scott, for giving me this opportunity to talk about this active genocide against my people. Um, as you said, I am an Uyghur. I was born and raised uh, in uh, East Turkestan, which we call by this historical and this symbolic name, but uh, it's being called Xinjiang by the Chinese regime, which means new territory or new border. Um, and in what general part of the country is it? It's located in northwest corner of China, which is north of Tibet, and west of Mongolia. Okay. And uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing here in the United States. I came to United States in 1989 as a graduate student um, after I uh, studied biology in Xinjiang University. But even back then, because of my involvement and the uh, uh, organizing the pro-democracy protests against the Chinese communist regime in 1985 and 1988, which is prior to Tiananmen Square mm-hmm. protests, 1989. Mm-hmm. When I graduated the university, um, the Chinese regime uh, retaliated with my activism even back then, and I couldn't get any job. Also, I was uh, graduated as the second highest uh, score uh, in, in the university in the biology department, and I was sent to uh, the Xinjiang Agricultural University to work there. But uh, right after they, the uh, Chinese Communist Party involved 
with my um, background and the talk to the agricultural university, they wouldn't accept me and I just couldn't find a job anywhere. So um, my father, who was one of the uh, elites, uh, intellectual um, back then, he arranged uh, with his, uh, some of his colleagues in the United States, a couple of professors from Washington State University, mm -hmm. sent me abroad. So I came back then, and the, uh, then I witnessed three weeks later the Tiananmen Square massacre wow. in the United States yeah. while I was in the United States when what, China... What was that like watching that on, the, on, on television? Horrifying for us because, um, especially for me, um, I had my childhood friends there at the protest. And I know those young students are all innocent and they, all they want is just they want democracy, they want freedom, just like what we did just a few years prior to that. Mm -hmm. Watching those innocent students, and they are Chinese students, they're their own children. Of course, I understand the way that they treat us as a secondary citizens because we are so-called minorities there. Also, we are... Uh, indigenous people of our homeland uh, then after Chinese government occupied because of the implementation of very strict birth controls and the uh, because of all the suppressive policies and using different labels persecuting people um, our population became less and less compared to the Chinese Han settlers mm -hmm. moved there after the occupation but still just watching how brutally they could crash and they shoot and they kill those young innocent students. That just you know, explains the world, how um, a terror, uh, you know, what kind of barbaric regime this Chinese communist regime is. So if you were trying to get out of the country today, would you be able, would you be able to? As an Uyghur, no, absolutely not, because all the Uyghur people's passports are being canceled. And the, uh, they pressured, the Chinese regime pressured the parents of students who are studying abroad to ask them to come back. So it's not just that the Chinese regime is conducting genocide in our homeland, and they're also trying to get every single Uyghur out there in diaspora, try to bring them in. Every one of them who went back, they disappeared or killed. Uh, for example, Muttalib Nur Muhammad, one of the uh, very uh, smart um, scholar who studied in, uh, in Boston and in uh, Northern California, had, had two master's degrees. And he went back because they called him back. He and his wife and two young children who were born in the United States. Right after he went back, they uh, arrested him, put him in the camps. And then four days after he was released, he died. Because when he was released, he mm -hmm. was already half dead mm -hmm. because of torture. Yes. So you use the term genocide to describe how the Chinese government is treating the Uyghur people today. What what makes you use that term? Because that's a that's a pretty serious term, 
uh, and is much, you know, is much more, you know, much more significant than just a group undergoing persecution. Uh, what what makes you say that there's a genocide going on? Accordance with the uh, Geneva Convention 1948 Treaty, there's like five acts. If any one of these acts are happening to a certain group of people, then you can call it genocide. In back home right now, all five of them are happening. For example, number one, persecuting certain group of people because of their background, because of their uh, religion or uh, their ethnicity um, bring physical or mental harm while the Chinese regime is holding more than 3 million Uyghur people, innocent Uyghur people in the concentration camps going through indoctrination. They are facing torture, mental, physical, sexual abuse. So that's, you know, violating the one of them. And the other one is um, uh, birth control policies. The Uyghur women, they have absolutely no rights to their own bodies. The Uyghur women's bodies are being violated in the most horrific ways. They are facing forced abortions, forced sterilizations, forced IUD devices inserting their bodies and forced to marry Han Chinese people. If these Uyghur girls or women refuse such a the government-sponsored marriages, which Chinese government is offering those Han Chinese men to marry Uyghur women while the government offering them housing, jobs, and the money to encourage such mm-hmm. a um, yeah, such a marriages. If the Uyghur women say no, then they will be labeled as radicalized Islamic extremists mm-hmm. who didn't want to marry non-Muslim Han Chinese. So the girl has no choice but marrying him or going to the concentration camps, being that's, labeled as yeah, that's Islamic. Quite, that's quite a choice. Yeah, extremist. Okay. So that's another act. Another important one is children. The Geneva Convention clearly states that if you remove the children from certain group and send to mm-hmm. somewhere else, that is a part of mm-hmm. a genocide. There is a document about 900,000, more than 900,000 Uyghur children are taken away from their homes, sent to state-run government orphanages where they are being raised with um, forbidding their religion, their language, their cultural, you know, ethnic, uh, any kind of identity. So basically, you know, when there's targeted actions by the Chinese regime in the intent of eradicating mm-hmm. the Uyghur people, so that is genocide, you know. Okay. Now, t- tell us a little bit about. Uh, what what life is like for people who have been consigned to the camps? What what what's daily life like there for them? According to well, let me go back a little bit on this. I have been speaking about those camps, conditions of the camps, 
for years now, since the concentration camps came up to the public through news media, through satellite images, and also Chinese government's own leaked documents. I have been saying that the people are facing forced indoctrinations and the torture and malnutrition and dehydration. They are not getting enough to drink, overcrowded rooms, and they are forced to take unknown medications. Hmm. And they are forced to recite Xi Jinping thoughts and the pledging themselves to the Chinese communist ideologies and all that. Last month, um, see, um, back in June, early June, I was in UK, in London, attending, testifying at the Uyghur Tribunal. And where I heard from the former inmates who actually lived in those concentration camps and the uh, witnesses and the experts and the scholars who has been studying the, uh, the camps and the systems and the, uh, what kind of you know, policies the Chinese regime is implementing. And also the perpetrator himself, a Chinese former policeman, a Chinese man, admitted actually, said that when they brought those Han Chinese policemen to any kind of place that the Uyghurs are in captivity, they have been told to do whatever they want mm. against them. The torture, the brutal, um, the inhumane the treatment they are doing against Uyghurs. When he was talking, it's what, it was horrifying to listen because my sister is there. My sister was taken, my own sister was taken almost three years ago. I spoke at the uh, Hudson Institute um, in September 5th, 2018. They talked about the conditions of the camps and the China's genocidal uh, crimes against the Uyghur people while outlining the fate of my in-laws my husband's entire family was taken, my parent-in-laws and the three of his sisters, their husbands, a brother and his wife, 14 of his nieces and the nephews from age all, three to 18, all, all gone. All taken all to the camps. Gone. All gone. They're gone. They're, they're all taken to the camps. We have no idea where they are. Do you know they, even if they're alive? We don't know. We have no idea. So I talked about this. And then six days later, as a retaliation for my speech in America, as an American citizen who has been living in America for past 32 years, mm -hmm. my own sister was taken to silence me. It was a clear indication from the Chinese government to keep me quiet. So today I am talking here at the sacrifice of my sister's freedom. It's almost three years. We have no idea where she is. I don't even know if she's still alive. She's a retired medical doctor. And she retired in early age because of the health reasons. So with that kind of condition, mm -hmm. I have no idea if she's making yeah. it. Yeah. And we don't even know where she's being held. Now, are, are you in danger personally? 
Well, um, I live in this free country, and the, uh, as I said, you know, I am an American citizen, so I don't think they can do anything to me. Um, but even if I am in danger, I have to speak. I have to speak not only to be the voice for those voiceless Uyghur people there, but to educate my fellow Americans, to educate the world about the Chinese regime's war against faith, war against humanity, war against freedom and democracy. Um, because it's not just the, about the future of the Uyghurs or saving the Uyghurs anymore. It's about the conscience of the world. The humanity of the world is at test here and the most of people and most of places, especially the corporations, places like NBA and Hollywood and the other entities, they are failing it because of the Chinese blood money that they are mm -hmm. making from the Uyghur slaves. And we'll come back to that in just a second. Uh, tell me a little bit about the, re the response of the, the countries in the West to the plight of the Uyghur people. Because um, I think it's just, it's, it's been only recently that this has come to the to more widespread attention, uh, at least in the United States, if not the other Western countries. So when you travel and speak in, in other parts of the West and in the U.S., how, what's the response of the countries of the West? It's good now because more people are aware of um, what the Chinese regime is doing, and especially um, former Secretary Pompeo uh, announced that the, he determined that the, this is a genocide. And then the current Secretary of State, uh, Mr. Blinken, also concurred that decision. And the, uh, in Washington, you know, sometimes people joke that they say, the two parties, Democrats and Republicans, they cannot even agree upon what uh, brand coffee they drink at the cafeteria <laughs> at the Hill. But this one issue they all they agree, agree is that. about, you know, China's crimes against humanity and what they are doing to the Uyghur Muslims. But we didn't get to this point very easily. As an, as an Uyghur American who has been living in this country for past 32 years, I have been trying to... Um, raise this, uh, raise awareness about China's oppression, um, administration after administration after administration for years. But um, because um, very naively, our politicians thought that uh, we can make China rich and the, uh, then they will, uh, uh, you know, they will uh, receive democracy, welcome democracy. But no. The more economically stronger they got, more they start to challenge the basic uh, human dignity and the democracy. And now they are saying that they are going to kill the democracy while using the democracy. They are using our systems to manipulate and undermine all these values that the, you know, the Americans worked so hard in the past 50 years and the past you know, 100 years. So when I travel around the world, um, again, you know, I see a lot of people still buying the Chinese Communist Party's uh, talking points, still um, believing that uh, engaging China or uh, bring China to uh, more democratic, you know, 
bring China to more democratic, uh, open society, open systems. That's not going to happen if the Chinese Communist Party is in place. That's not going to happen because um, when I was, you know, being raised and educated there, clearly the government used to tell us that last century was a century of humiliation, and this century is a century of retaliation for them. Retaliation against who? Not against Uyghurs or Tibetans or Southern Mongolians. It's the retaliation against the West. They want to re replace the democratic system with the totalitarian vision that they have, with this ultra-nationalistic, the Chinese communist ideology. So what, what are some of the things that the United States is doing that you're aware of to pressure China into you know, more of a recognition of human rights of Uyghur people and other minorities in China? There has been very um, aggressive sanctions uh, has been in place, which is really good because we need to hit where it hurts the most, the money. Um, economic sanctions, always good and it will work. And then we had the Uyghur Human Rights Policy Act, which was passed and signed by the president and it became law last year. Um, and there is a um, Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act that's voted uh, at the uh, Senate and then now the House has to pass that. Um, but it's not enough. There are a lot of talks, but we need actual tangible yeah. actions. Are, are other countries in the West uh, jo joining in? Or is Britain, France, Germany, mm. are, are there are other powerful Western European countries joining um, the U.S. in this? There are some countries, yes, they pass um, the resolution or uh, determination on genocide. They call that it's recognized that it's genocide. And also um, uh, there has been some actions, uh, but then again, it's not enough, especially Germany is a disappointing uh, uh, part for me because um, Germany has already this uh, uh, dark history of, yes, uh, of experiencing uh, the genocide and the, this is supposed to be an opportunity for German government to uh, respect the never again, the vow never again and the uh, should have been stop all kind of business deals with China because right now supporting China in any way is supporting the genocide, mm -hmm. is complicit with China's genocide. Um, so it's disappointing, but um, we, we really need to work hard because um, the Chinese communist regime is using the manipulation in United Nations as the second largest donor and the power of the Belt and Road Initiative. Uh, and that's actually the main reason why the Uyghurs are facing genocide, because our homeland sits in the epicenter of this uh, Xi Jinping's signature project, Belt and Road Initiative, which is his signature project for the world domination. And then uh, thirdly, using the uh, debt trap diplomacy from the many countries and the using the trade as threats to, to many mm -hmm. countries, 
Chinese government is basically getting away with genocide. Not just getting away with genocide, they are getting rewarded when you look at what the Olympic Committee, International Olympic Committee is doing. Having China host 2022 Winter Olympics, I am appalled, I am speechless. We all know what happened in 1936 in Berlin mm. when Nazi Germany was running concentration camps in right in the middle of the Holocaust. The world community supported that the International Olympic Committee rewarded Nazi uh, Germany, then kept apologizing for what happened, but they tried to claim, also they know what was happening, but they tried to claim the ignorance then. But this is 21st century. They know what's happening. We kept um, contacting the International Olympic Committee, asking them to strip off the hosting rights from China because a genocidal regime is the last country to qualify to hold Olympic Games, which is a prestigious game built upon the differences of the humanity, different race, yeah, different religion. Yeah, with the goal of bringing the world together. Yes, exactly. Um, Chinese government is holding over 3 million people in concentration camps. They're, they are conducting crimes against humanity. They are conducting genocide because of one race, because of their ethnicity and their religion. And you reward China. And then when we contact the Olympic Committee, say, oh, we have to stay away from politics. Which part of this right. is politics? You know? Right. Mass rape Gen of older women. Yeah. Genocide shouldn't be considered politics. Politics, exactly, exactly. The Chinese government try, try to claim, always say that this is China's internal business. No, genocide against the one group of people is not a country's so, internal so affairs. So you say three million Uyghur people are held in concentration camps. What percentage of is that of the, of the Uyghur population in China? If you look at the Chinese consensus, the Chinese um, uh, numbers, of course, they try to show the Uyghurs are minority by showing less. So it's 12 million population. 12 million. So 3 million of 12 okay, million. Okay, so 25%. Yeah. But uh, then according to the, the Uyghur people, you know, the population is um, more than that 15 to 20 million. But even with that, it's pretty high. So, what, so what, what is life like for those for the Uyghur people who are not in the camps. It, it can't be much less difficult. Many people are familiar with uh, George Orwell's 1984. Mm -hmm. That in a worst case, because that was a vision written long time ago. And now with the high advanced technology the Chinese regime has, even just the regular ordinary people just everybody out there, they are subject to DNA collection. Everybody has to mandatory DNA collection, mandatory health check, and the um, surveillance everywhere, checkpoints on every corner, QR scanning codes on every home. So yeah. people coming in and out is being monitored. I read, I read just recently that there are almost 700 million surveillance cameras in China. Uh, I'm, not, I'm, yeah. I'm not quite sure what you would do with that many cameras, except 
have full-time watchers for a lot of people under surveillance. So yeah. continue. What and the, the worst part of this is it's not staying in China. This system is not staying in China. They are already exporting to many other countries. Just like two years ago, before the pandemic started, um, we have been told more than 18 countries around the world exported the surveillance system. And the uh, this is going to create... Uh, you know, like this is going to make a lot of other dictatorship mm -hmm. countries to welcome and adopt mm -hmm. for their, you know, um, way of uh, oppressing the people. And the, the worst part is the Chinese regime is openly announcing in their state media they are going to rewrite the Bible and the Holy Quran to accordance with the Chinese communist um, ideologies. How in the world any kind of religion, Bible or Quran, Quran, yeah, will be compatible with Chinese atheist uh, ideology. Not, they're not. And it's they, it's they, they, atheist. Right, exactly. When they openly announce that, where is the outreach? Where's the outreach from people around the world? Mm -hmm. Where's the outreach from the Muslim community? When one priest in Florida announced that he was going to burn a copy of Quran. The entire Muslim world went on the streets. Well, China is burning the Uyghur Muslims right now. This crematoria is being built mm -hmm. next to the concentration camps. Where's the outrage from the Muslims? And the, every single, every little social injustice used to get outrage from all these famous celebrities in Hollywood. Where are they? Where are the feminists when the Uyghur women's body is being violated the way Good that question. unseen anywhere? Uyghur children are taken away. Where are those famous celebrities? So when the perpetrator has money and the power, you just comply? Rashan, one more question for you. Um, you know, given that, you know, all of us have an interest in global religious freedom, regardless of the faith. Mm. Uh, you know, you're Muslim, I'm Christian. We have we have some obvious differences theologically, mm. uh, but I think we both we both share the desire to see people have freedom of conscience, to be able to believe and to practice their faith in whatever way they see fit. Uh, and so any, any, any threat to religious freedom in one place is a threat to religious freedom all, all over the world. What, what, if anything, are you encouraged about uh, as, you know, you go, you go around and speak on religious freedom uh, and, you, you know, you, you just continue to learn about the plight of your, your Uyghur people. Is there anything that gives you hope you speaking to me actually gives me a hope. Um, yes, I met a lot of organizations, the interface uh, groups, and the uh, leaders from different faiths. Because, you know, the world is so big, and the, we are all humans. Basic dignity of humans, basic rights of, you know, like, the, the fundamental choice of what you believe, how you believe, and, and why you believe 
is the basic basic rights of the the humans human rights the you know, basis of the human rights and the I see a lot of people respecting that and people don't have to be Uyghur or activists to raise this issue because this is not about the the Muslim issue or you know the Uyghur issue this is about the conscience of humanity so I see a lot of great people um, and still you know supporting the Uyghur cause and the uh, preparing platforms for us and the helping us that really gives me a hope and the uh, uh, warmness in my heart that humanity is not dead you know so many great people that's why this world is so wonderful um, the Chinese regime is not going to win as long as there are people who believe the right and the evil because this is a battle between what's right and the, what's wrong, the oppression and the freedom. This is a battle between the evil and the good. And I believe the majority of the people in the world are good people. So as long as if they all stand up and they, uh, they educate people around them, share the information and stop this, the evil regime before it's too late, we will win. I don't believe that the China is so powerful that they can just manipulate the entire world for too long. They have done it because we always trusted them. And I think more and more people are seeing for the, the real, uh, the barbaric, uh, the terroristic regime. And the uh, and I, I believe that we will win. And I do have a hope that the, uh, the, this Chinese Communist regime will be demolished. That's all I have, the hope. If I don't have hope, I cannot continue. <laughs> so thank you for giving well, this opportunity to Rishan, speak. thank you so much. This has been enlightening and chilling uh, and discouraging and a little bit hopeful yes. here at the end. So. Yes. I know the, the you know our listeners probably can't do much immediately, except for one thing. I know that pray. they they can pray. Yes, they can pray for the Uyghur people. Please. Pray mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. human rights and for religious freedom mm -hmm. to be rec to be recognized. Yes, um, and it's not an accident that the American Bill of Rights places religious freedom as mm -hmm. the first. Amendment, yes. the first most fundamental freedom, because it does, as you describe it, it does mm -hmm. give people the, that freedom of conscience yes. to believe what they choose, right. what they believe to be true. So yes. even though we have a we have a faith difference, we have very mm -hmm. much, very much well, in we common. We all pray the same. Very much in common yes. when it comes to this matter of religious freedom. Yes. So, so please, you know, um, it's we all call the God in different names, but we are all children of God. So um, if the Chinese regime thought that they can eradicate the, the Uyghurs, God has its own plans. So just pray for the Uyghur Muslims. Thank you. Let me let me give people your your website, your organization. Mm -hmm. Roshan Abbas is the founder and executive director of Campaign for Uyghurs. Uh, 
www.campaign4wiggers.org. That's U-Y-G-H-U-R-S.org. Um, we really encourage you to get better and better informed, uh, better acquainted with what's going on, uh, and to continue to pray for the for, for the human rights and religious freedom, not only of the Uyghurs but for persecuted minorities all over the world who are persecuted on account of their faith. Thank you, so, Scott. Sean, thank you so much. This has been an episode of the podcast, Think Biblically, Conversations on Faith and Culture. If you enjoyed today's conversation, give us a rating on your podcast app and share it with a friend. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, think biblically about everything. Mm-hmm.